Well, good morning, church. You already know what time it is. It is time for a word from the Lord. Why don't you give me some hand clap emojis in the chat? Come on, give me some hand clap emojis. You can actually physically clap your hands, too, if you can put your phone down. Come on, let's give God some praise. Let's get amped up. We're about to open up the word, the timeless, inspired word of God. And I don't know about you, but I still get excited when it comes time for the word of God. Even though I'm preaching it, before I preach it to you, it changes and it challenges me. Can you do me a favor? Can we lift up our hands right now? Because we truly want to build our expectation for an encounter with the living God through the word of God, the powerful, inspired word of God. Lift up your hands right now wherever you are. And let's pause for a moment and let us open up our hearts. Talk to God however you want. Talk to God however you feel in your heart, whatever you need to say to God. Maybe you haven't had the opportunity to talk to God this morning. Maybe you've neglected that or you've skipped over that and you've been so busy that you tried to figure out how you were going to fit in that time. Now's a great time to commune with your king, commune with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, let the sound rise in your room. Let it rise in your car. Let it rise in your garage, wherever you are. Let that sound rise up to the king. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah. We lift up your name, God. We acknowledge that you are great and greatly to be praised. You are high and lifted up. The train of your robe fills wherever we are. Your presence is right here with us, that your spirit is not distant from us, even though we may be distant from one another. God, we thank you that your word is going to speak to us. We have open hearts. We have expectant souls. We have teachable minds, God. We have ears that are prepared to hear. We have mouths that are closed, God, so that we can listen to what your spirit is saying. God, we speak against distraction. We speak against deception, betrayal, all the things that the enemy would like to plant seeds in our minds that would pluck up the soil, the seed of this word from the soil of our souls. God, we ask that your spirit would till our hearts, would break up the fallow ground so that these seeds can eventually bear much fruit because they're so deep within our souls, God, that we can't help but bear fruit and look like you and act like you and talk like you. And God, we know that there can't be a fire in anyone's place if there is an iceberg behind this metaphorical pulpit. So God, would you light me on fire that I may burn for you, burn for your truth, your love and your justice. May, your, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer in whom I trust. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. My goodness. I hope you're excited to be in the presence of God. I hope you never neglect the power that can come with prayer, with simple prayer, simple Bible reading, simple time just spent soaking and meditating in the presence of God. It is powerful. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Let me frame this before we get into it. Before we get into our text today, I just want to be honest with you about something that I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to take a detour this week. This week, I was actually getting ready to start a brand new series, which we're going to start next week. And I'm very excited about. But but I felt like God was was pushing me, pulling me, <laughs> dragging me <laughs> to obey and take this detour because of something that's very important. So I want you to pay attention to this text of scripture and it's on your screen here, Matthew chapter 26. We're gonna start in verse 36. It, it reads as follows. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. 
and talking and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Let me read that again. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. I was praying for you um, over the course of the past week, as I often do, pray for each of you by name. And as I was praying, the Lord moved upon my heart. I was going to move into a different series, going to move into something very hopeful and exciting. And I'm really, really excited to get into that next week. But, but I hope you can hear my heart here. And I hope you can give me the space and room to obey the Holy Spirit that there was something over the past 48 hours in particular that God moved me away from and toward because I sensed in my prayer time that our church was struggling with something. I, I sensed in my prayer time that our church was struggling with something called discouragement. I, I sensed that our church was dealing with discouragement. It was an overwhelming feeling. It was as if I could feel all the pains and the weights and the heaviness of the people. It was as if I could hear people crying. It was as if I could feel heaviness upon households. It was as if I could feel pressure on souls. It was as if I could sense that you were inundated, overwhelmed, and discouraged. I, I, I want to give you some room and space for us to get real here. It, this is not about a show. A sermon is not about a show. Preaching time is not about a performance or a platform. I want to get real so that we can get changed. Is that okay? If you're bold enough to admit it and you're not ashamed to talk about it, and if you say, Pastor, if, if I'm being honest with you, in one or more areas of my life, I feel a sense of discouragement. If that's you, why don't you put that's me in the chat? If you're honest, if you're willing to be open and upfront and unashamed and bold because you know that in your admission there is deliverance and there is healing. Can you be honest and put that in the chat? Say, that's me. That's me. I, I sense that most of us in one or more areas of our lives are under an attack and an inundation of discouragement. And, and this is so interesting because for us as believers, we are people who are characterized and known by our hope. We're known by our anticipation of what God is doing in the future and what God will do for us right now. But the reality is that Christians, as much as anyone else in the world, can deal with discouragement. One theologian called discouragement this. Take a look at this. He says, discouragement is dissatisfaction with the past, distaste for the present, and distrust of the future. <laughs> dissatisfaction with the past, distaste for the present, and distrust for the future. Again, is anyone, can anyone wave at me and say, I'm going through a little bit of dissatisfaction with the past? I'm thinking about the things that I should have done, the things I should have said, the opportunities I should have said yes to, the doors I should have said no to, the relationships that I should have gotten out of, and there's a dissatisfaction with the past. Can anyone say I have a distaste for the present? Things are not as they should be, and I recognize that very intently, and I actually desire to get out of the situation that I'm in right now, but I can't seem to. I feel stuck. I have a distaste for the present, but then I also have a distrust for the future. What's going to happen around the corner? What awaits me as I get older? What awaits us in the middle of a global pandemic? What awaits us in the middle of injustice in our streets? What awaits my children as we go back to school? Does anyone feel discouraged today, church? Is anyone honest enough to admit 
that yes, I could play it cool. I could act as though everything's fine, but I'm tired of putting on a brave face. I'm ready to be honest about the fact that if I'm, if I'm laying myself bare before the Lord, I feel discouraged. It is such a common theme without the scriptures, throughout the scriptures that we see that there is constantly this encouragement for us not to be discouraged. Look at Joshua chapter one, verse nine. Very common, right? Haven't I commanded you? Have not I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's interesting because the Hebrew word here for discouraged literally means the first primary definition literally means to be shattered. Don't be afraid or shattered. Don't be afraid or fractured. Don't be afraid or disassembled. Does anyone feel discouraged today? Anyone honest enough to say I feel shattered? I feel disassembled. I feel fractured. I feel dismayed. What does it say? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't feel shattered because the one who puts things back together is with you wherever you go. This is such a common theme in the scripture that our Lord even says it in John chapter 14, verse one. He says when he's getting ready to give hopeful encouragement, hopeful proclamation, a prediction that he's going to prepare a place for us. John chapter 14, he says this. Let not your heart be troubled. Key word here. It literally means agitated. Is anyone agitated today? Anyone a little bit annoyed today? Anyone a little bit flipped upside down? You feel like your world, you just feel like something's off. You can't really place your finger on it. Perhaps you can point to specific situations and instances and relationships, but you just can't put your finger on what's bothering you. You feel troubled. You feel agitated. You feel off. And this is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, don't allow your heart to be agitated. Anyone, anyone discouraged today? Anyone feeling discouraged? Anyone feeling dismayed? Jesus is trying to communicate something to us here and in our text today that is so important for you to remember, and I want you to operate under the right conception of what life really is, not a misconception about what you think life should be. So let me tell you this. No one is above discouragement. No one is above being discouraged. Let me relieve this from your brain because, again, we're trying to unlearn so that we can learn properly. We're trying to deconstruct so that we can reconstruct a healthy version of what the faith looks like. And let me tell you that this idea that we're just supposed to not ever face discouragement or trouble or pain or dismay or disappointment is not found in the Bible. I don't care how successful you are, how much money you have, how accomplished you are how much you look at your children with pride, how much you look at your marriage as something to parade and present to people. I don't care how advanced you are, how many promotions you've had, whatever it is that you feel like should exempt you from discouragement. Can I tell you, no one is above it. Our teachers aren't above it. Our parents aren't above it. Our children aren't above it. The people in places of power aren't above it. The wealthy aren't above it. The poor aren't above it. No one is above discouragement. It is common to the human condition. But let me encourage you with this. Discouragement is dangerous. When we allow discouragement to run amok in our lives without addressing, confronting it, and being honest about it, it's dangerous. Let me show you how. Discouragement will do three things in particular, and I've seen this over the past 18 months within the pandemic. 
I want to encourage you with this so you can reveal what the enemy is trying to do when he allows you to remain or tries to push you to remain in discouragement. Number one, discouragement will ruin your relationships. Discouragement will create a dark cloud. Discouragement will delay emotional connection. Watch this, because often what is producing your discouragement is emotional exhaustion. Did you hear what I just said? Discouragement will delay your emotional connection often because you are discouraged because of emotional exhaustion. Do you realize how hard it is to carry on the work of sacrifice and love and long-suffering and patience that is required in any healthy relationship when you're discouraged, when you're running on E, when you don't have anything left in the tank, when you can't lift your head up, when you can't see at any hope for tomorrow? Do you realize how it will destroy your relationships? This is why we must expose it. This is why we must confront it. This is my, why we must see what God has to say about it. Not just that. Discouragement will prevent God's purpose from being revealed. Discouragement will prevent God's purpose from being revealed. Remember Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, Moses is so discouraged that God is attempting to call him to do a great work. God is saying, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Go deliver my people. Go back and walk in your true cult cultural authenticity. A and Moses looks at God and says, why can't you just choose somebody else? He's so discouraged from having to be in the wilderness of Midian for 40 years that he's not even ready to accept God's purpose for his life. And some of us aren't walking in what God has called for us to walk in because we're so discouraged that we can't even believe what God said about us is true. Am I speaking to anybody here? Some of us have such a negative, low self-esteem because of our discouragement, because of what we're going through in life. And I'm here to call this out because I really want to set you free today. And I want the Holy Spirit to do the work. But you've got to walk in everything God has called you to walk in. You've got to walk in your purpose. You can't allow something as small as discouragement, as real as it may be, to keep you back from the riches of what God has for you. You can't let it keep you back from all the great things God desires for you to walk in. You can't let looking at your circumstances and your situation to keep you from seeing God's perspective of it all. Can you hear me, church? Discouragement will keep your purpose from being revealed. Not just that, but discouragement will make you feel like God can't be trusted. Discouragement will make you feel like I can't trust this God who called me on this journey, the God who invited me into his family, the God who invited me into the kingdom, the God who invited me into this beloved community, now all of a sudden is allowing me to enter into trouble, trial, obstacles, challenges, difficulties. And I feel so discouraged because did God trick me? Some of you are having this conversation right now. Can we be honest? The money isn't looking right. The kids aren't acting right. The marriage isn't hitting. Your job is getting on your nerves and being inflexible. And you're looking up and saying, God, I thought you said that you would be with me. I thought you said that I'm blessed and highly favored. I thought you said I'm your child. I thought you said that this was going to be a situation where you would make a way where there is no way. The way ain't been made. I want to reveal this because, church, I believe there are some people who are watching right now, who are dealing presently with these realities, the reality of discouragement. Can you lift up your hands right now? If that's you, I want you to lift up your hands right now. 
do it. I want you to say, God, I'm discouraged. Say it. Say, God, I'm discouraged. Leave space. Don't move on. Because it's been lingering in your life for a while. It's been abiding over your head for a while. Say, God, I just, I don't know what to do. I'm discouraged. You know what I love about this reality in the text of Scripture? I love the reality that just because you're in discouragement doesn't mean that you're alone. If you've been in discouragement, Jesus can identify with you. If you've been downtrodden, Jesus can identify with you. If you've been disappointed and dismayed and exhausted and at the end of your rope, Jesus knows what that feels like. That's what this text is all about. This text is leading us to, most of us are aware of this because we've been saved for so long. We know that Gethsemane is leading us straight to Calvary. And we know that Jesus is encountering this moment where he's having this conversation with his father. Uh, take a look at verse 36 in our text of Matthew chapter 26. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. What I find interesting is that Gethsemane, for those of you who are familiar with it, it's the place of crushing. It literally stands for two Hebrew words put together that mean oil press. And what we see here is Jesus and his disciples are actually traveling across the Kidron Valley. And they're going into this place called Gethsemane, which was likely a part of an olive orchard that was actually owned by someone who had wealth. Don't miss this. So even in a place of prosperity, there was pain. Even in a place of overcoming, there was obstacles. Even in a place of wealth, there was weeping. Don't miss this. Just because you have and just because you're in a place that should be well off, that makes you think that you're not going to go through any of these things. Take a look at Gethsemane, a wealthy place, and Jesus was at his lowest point. Don't think that money's going to cure your discouragement. Don't think that accomplishments are going to make it easier. Don't think that your kids getting the full ride scholarship is now going to prevent there from being any discouragement in your household. Don't think that people patting you on the back is going to make things better automatically. No, you can be in a place of prosperity and still be in pain. And again, this is where I think we are. I think there are people who, who are looking around and saying, I have all this that I should be thankful for, yet I'm still discouraged. And Jesus puts it like this. He says, my soul is sorrowful even to death. Let's not sugarcoat it. What does Jesus say? I want to die. Let me die here. I feel like my entire life is going to end. Don't sugarcoat it, because if you sugarcoat it, you'll miss the power in it. Jesus is saying, I'm done with this. I'm weighed down, and I cannot lift up my head. L let, me, let me tell you this first point here. I, I want you to hear this. Discouragement is a sign that something around you feels greater than you. Discouragement is a sign that something around you feels greater than you. This is what we're encountering. You're not just discouraged just because. You're not just spiritually discouraged just simply because you're living. No, it feels as though something is greater than you. And it's important to acknowledge that because here's what we typically do. I'm going to teach you a word today or a phrase. I'm going to teach you this phrase that I've learned 
studying these tactics about how we typically carry ourselves in times of pain and trouble and trial. It's something called spiritual bypassing. We like to do spiritual bypassing when we're in the midst of pain. What is spiritual bypassing? Well, I'm glad you asked. It is this, the tendency to use spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep or avoid facing unresolved emotional issues, psychological wounds, and unfinished developmental tasks. Hello, good morning. Spiritual bypassing is what Pete Scazzaro calls an emotional, emotionally healthy spirituality. He says this, spiritual bypassing is using God to get away from God. Spiritual bypassing is us just simply saying, when someone is in pain, well, at least you got it better than this other person. When someone's loved one dies, well, at least they're in heaven. And while all of that may be true, it's the tendency for us to use spiritual practices as a way to sidestep what we should be facing. And let me tell you, church, when you are discouraged and something is greater than you, and bigger than you and seems insurmountable and you don't know how you're gonna get out of it, now is not the time to act like it don't exist. Can we unlearn and deconstruct this mentality that we're just supposed to speak positive all the time? That's not what we find in the scriptures. Y'all familiar with Psalms, with Lamentations, with Ecclesiastes? Y'all familiar with Paul? You're familiar with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Don't think that you're becoming more of a believer because you spiritually bypass the pain that you're in. When we say healing, we don't mean lying. Are you hearing me? Stop lying. You're breaking a commandment to be godly. It don't work like that. Spiritual bypassing is us using these spiritual language ideas not for faith building, not for the root of our foundation, which is good and healthy. No, to avoid getting down to the real unresolved emotional issues that we have. They betrayed you. Talk about it. They harmed you. Be honest about it. You need to grow in this area. Don't run from it. And I believe that we have this mentality, we have this idea that this is what God requires from us. And that's why perhaps maybe the Christian faith not attractive to people who are in real pain. Because for me to become a Christian, I got to act like my pain doesn't exist. Y'all going to spiritually bypass my pain and just say, come to the church service. Watch us online. Clap your hands. But I'm still, when I cut the service off and when I leave the church building, I got to go into the place where I'm battling these wounds. So tell me, what do you have to deal with my wounds and my chains and my pain and my bondage and my iniquity and my struggle and my discouragement? Don't spiritually bypass. Jesus has a better way. Jesus puts it like this in, in verse 39. Jesus says this in verse 39. It says, and going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying this, watch. My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. This is the alternative method. Admission, then submission. You want to get through your discouragement? Admit it. Admit what is going on. Tell the truth. And then submit your truth to God's overarching perspective of truth. This is what Jesus did. He said, I ain't going to lie. If we can get out of this, let's do it. If there's another way, 
pass the cup on from me. I don't want to deal with it anymore. But then he says, I'll submit my admission to your reality. Somebody needs to hear this. What you need to be doing in prayer is not just simply talking as though you have it all together. C.S. Lewis puts it like this. We come to God as we are, not as we ought to be. We come to God as we truly are, not in the form that we think God is wanting us to be and the form that God will accept. You need to admit some things. Your prayer time over the next few days may not actually need to be any flowery language. You know people really think that you have to sit in front of God and pray with fancy words? You think God is impressed with that? You think God is like, you think God doesn't know that you're struggling? I already know you're struggling. I want to hear you say it so that it can change you. I already know what you're going through, but I need you to admit it because that admission is going to change you. And that admission leads me to submission. But some of you can't get to the submission because you haven't admitted that anything's wrong. Admit it. Jesus says, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. This is bad. I want to die. But it's your will, not mine. Not only that, here's what we see. He goes a little bit further. And this is what Jesus says. He goes back to the disciples who are supposed to be watching and praying. And he came to them in verse 40 and he found them sleeping. He says to Peter, so could you not watch me for an hour? You can watch with me for an hour. You couldn't even do that. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Why? Because the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Principle. Verse 42, watch this. And again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Let me read it again. If this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. I, I got bad news for you. Salvation from discouragement is found at the bottom of the cup. Salvation from pain is found at the bottom of the cup. Not passing it, drinking it. This is mature theology. I'm sorry. It's not the type of theology that makes you say you can just toss the, the liquid over, over the side. You can just pass off the cup to someone else. You can fast for that day. You got to drink the cup. I want you to understand this. God didn't promise he would get you out of it. He promised he would be with you in the middle of it. God didn't promise that there's some easy, quick fix out of discouragement. God didn't promise that. He promised that he would be with you in it. Can I tell you something and be honest with you? I hope you're feeling me. I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you because I really, really, truly believe someone's battling intense, serious discouragement right now, present as I speak. Can I be honest with you? I'm not always going to pray you out. I hate to break it to you. God will not always move me to pray you out of something. But here's my promise. I may not pray you out. I always pray you through. There's a difference. I won't always pray for you to be rescued instantaneously. But I will pray for you to have the strength and the fortitude to get to the bottom of the cup. And some of us, we're discouraged because we know what God called us to do. We're not willing to drink the cup. 
We know what God called us to do. We know what we're supposed to do in this situation or that situation. We're just not willing to think about it. We're not willing to get down to the bottom of the barrel. He never promised he's going to take you out. He promised he's going to be with you in it. We may not be able to pray instantaneous healing, instantaneous financial increase. But what we are praying is that God would strengthen your heart so, that God would preserve your emotions so, that God would quicken your spirit so, that God would hold together your soul so, that you can keep walking and keep moving and keep going and never quit and never give up. And even when it looks like you can't get up in the morning, you still get up out of bed and you take one step and then another step and you're like, I can't see next week. I'm just trying to see today. Is there anybody that resonates? Is there anybody that has ever in the last 18 months had to deal with something? You're like, I don't know if I can get from here to 2021. I don't know if I can get from here to the month of August. I don't know if I can get from here to tomorrow. But God's going to be with you in it. This is, again, something we have to unlearn. God doesn't always rescue us out. Sometimes God sits with us in. And this is what you have to understand about discouragement, church. That you're not in it by yourself. The God who is present everywhere is present with you right now. Right now. How does this resolve? How does Jesus come to the end? How does Jesus come to himself and decide, oh, now I'm going to fulfill my purpose? Can I tell you something? There is no clear-cut resolution in this particular passage. None. There's a declaration, not necessarily a resolution. This is a monologue, not a dialogue. The father says nothing. And this is complex. And we, again, have to unlearn this mentality that all of a sudden what's going to happen is there's going to be some magic potion, magic pill. We're going to figure it out. No problems. No worries. Everything going to be tied up in a nice, neat little bow. Can I tell you something? You are a complex, three-dimensional human being. You will have not just a test, then a testimony. You will have tests and testimonies at the same time. You have trials and triumphs at the same time. Stop thinking it's going to be one or the other. God brought me out. You're still bound in some area of your life. If God fully brought you out, you'd be in heaven, not on earth. So both exist at the same time. You have things you can be thankful for and things you can't stand. Situations that you're happy about and wealthy in and places that make you weak. It all exists in the same. But nestled in this passage, I think Jesus gives us the declaration of what we are supposed to do as a church. When we are facing discouragement, he looks at the disciples, and this is what he says. Sleep and take your rest later on, verse 45. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Catch this, four-letter word, verse 46. Jesus says, rise. Earlier in the context of this story, not in Matthew, but in the book of John, Jesus told Lazarus to rise. Later on, three days after this, Jesus was going to rise. And Jesus looks at his disciples, and nestled in this is a powerful reality. Jesus says, rise. And the word of the Lord, in the middle of the prayer I was praying, that communicated to me, that there was somebody or a group of people or maybe all of our church 
that is struggling with heavy discouragement and the cloud and the garment of heaviness and this idea that there's no way that you can get out, Jesus mentioned and whispered one word in my spirit, rise. Rise. Get up, church. I want to challenge you not to think about it in ultimate resolution, but to think about what is one way that I can get up tonight? What is one way that I can stand up a little straighter today? My body may not be able to rise, but my head can. My head not, may not be able to rise, but my eyes can be lifted up. My head and my eyes may be low, but, but my hands can come together. I can get on my knees and there's power there. I can do something every single day to rise. And for those who are discouraged, can I tell you, don't make it harder than what it already is. Don't place upon your mind weights and heaviness. Jesus resolved just to do what God had told for him to do. Don't make it heavier. Don't add other things. Don't make it like it's supposed to be the ideal. Don't think about it like that. Think about it like this. I can do something today. And in one area of my life, I can rise. In one area of my life, I can get up. Maybe my get up is I admitted for the first time to God and to my neighbor, to my friend, to my brother, to my sister, I'm struggling. I'm drowning. I have nothing left. Maybe my rise is that I've said, God, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. But in the crux of discouragement, I need you to hear this. No pain is wasted. Not all the pain God gives or God allows is God-ordained. That's improper theology. Everything God, everything you did or everything that's happened to you, God ordained it. God wanted it to happen. No, I don't believe that. But no pain is wasted. Meaning that if you're in it, God's going to perfect you in the middle of it. God's going to see you through it. God's going to stay with you. And so I'm telling you, church, rise. Somebody right now needs to get up off your couch and lift up your hands. You've been so discouraged. You're tired. You're exhausted. You have nothing left. You're on E. Your tank is empty, and you need to lift up your hands, and you need to stand up and rise. Somebody needs to get on your knees right now and lift up your hands and start to speak to God and admit, I'm struggling. Somebody needs to turn to the person in your household, your spouse or a child, to your to your parents or siblings and just say, I got to tell somebody I'm discouraged and I don't know how I'm going to make it. I feel like I'm going to die. Rise, church. Don't allow the discouragement to drown you. But know that there's someone in the midst of the waters with you. God isn't always going to get you out, but he's going to be with you anyway. He's not always going to be able to pray you out. He's going to pray you through it. And I'm begging and I'm pleading with you, church, do not allow discouragement to get above your head. Declare the word of God. Declare your real situation. Rise. We're getting ready to go back into worship. We got one more song of worship. But before we do that, I want to pray for you right now. Stretch your hands toward whatever you're watching, whatever device you have open, whatever television screen, whatever. God in heaven right now, stretch my hands towards your people.
stretch my hands towards your people. And there are so many people, God, I sense it. Even in this recording, I sense it, God. There are so many people who feel embarrassed about being discouraged. God, release the shame. We speak against the shame right now. May it be broken. I've been saved my whole life. I should know how to deal with this. The devil is a liar. We speak against shame. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. God, there's so many people that feel overwhelmed. Their relationships feel ruined. They feel like they have no way out. They feel like they can't see your purpose. They feel like you can't be trusted. But if they would just lift up their eyes to the hills, from whence comes our help? Our help truly comes from the Lord. There is no one else that can help us and deliver us. God, would you cause your people to rise right now with the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead? Raise our souls. Raise our heads. Raise our eyes. Lift up our spirits. Would you cause those who are discouraged to recognize that every single drop of your of their tears, every single tear that they cry, it is watering the soil. It is not wasted. You bottle them up. The pain is not forgotten about. You see them. You hear them. You value them. You will deliver them. Cause your people to rise, God. Hmm. Cause your people to rise. Strengthen them. Give them hope. Give them joy. Help them to realize that they won't stay down forever, but you'll walk them through it. In Jesus' name. Hmm. Amen. Church, I love you. Rise as we head into worship. I want you to use this time to be with the Lord, and I hope this encourages and uplifts you as you walk in everything God has called you to walk in. I love you. Lord, we're moving forward in you. No more going backwards. Can you just worship the Lord wherever you are right now? What a moment you have brought me to such a freedom I found in you. You're the healer who makes all things new, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going back, I'm moving ahead. I'm here to declare to you, my past is over and you. Things are made new, surrender my life to Christ. I'm moving Moving forward. You're risen with all power in your hands. You have given me a second chance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going back, I'm moving ahead, I'm here to declare to you, my past is over and you, all things are made new, surrender my life to Christ. 
Everybody, this is Pastor Tyler again. Thank you so much for tuning in to the NDCC online worship experience. So if you want to take a step in God, I want to pause here. You know, normally I just breeze through this and say, hey, you can just put home in the comments or text home to the number at the bottom of the screen. But I think there might be someone out there who genuinely wants to have an encounter with God, who wants to make a decision to follow Jesus. If that's you, I just want you to lift up your hands right now. You can type home in the comments, but right now, first, I just want you to lift up your hands. And I just want you to say, even repeating after me, if that's you, if you say, God, I want to give my life to you for real this time. I want to follow you in everything that I say and I do. Transform and change my life. Lift up your hands and say, God, come into my heart and save me. I repent of my sins. I repent of the way that I've been going. And I just want to follow you. Thank you for the example of Jesus. Thank you for what he's done on the cross. Thank you that he's an alive and risen. And thank you that I can make the choice to follow him. Come into my heart and save me. Transform me. Make me new. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're so excited. We're proud of you. We want to celebrate you. We want to be excited with you and walk with you as well. You can type home in the comments or text home to the number at the bottom of the screen. It means so much that we're able to introduce Jesus to you. Once again, if you did not have the opportunity to give earlier in the service, you can do so in two ways. You can go to ndccpensacola.org and click offerings, or you can mail it in to P.O. Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida, 32503. I hope to see you next week. And until then, be blessed, be safe, be healthy. We love you so much. Peace.